Take care, Mudi. Morning, everyone. Morning. Um, this can be found on page 1034 of the Church Bibles. Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you sacrificed, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further amongst the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our reading today is actually the second instalment of a very exciting story featuring the apostles Peter and John in Acts chapters 3 and 4. Last week, we heard the amazing account of how a man who was over 40 years old, who had never been able to walk, and who was brought every day to sit and beg at the gate of the temple, was healed through the power of the name of Jesus and walked unaided through the beautiful gate right into the temple, side by side with the apostles, completely restored, jumping for joy and praising God. What a transformation! 
Gone were the days of having to sit in the dust outside the holy temple. There would be no more daily humiliation of having to beg at the feet of those who rushed past. For this man could now stand straight, walk tall, and celebrate inside the temple because he had received the most precious gift of freedom and healing from God the Father, through the name of his Son, the risen Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, living and working in his followers. Such a demonstration of the power of God exalting the name of Jesus must have sent shockwaves through the city of Jerusalem Everyone must have known this man. He'd lived there for decades. Everyone knew he was crippled and unable to look after himself. Punished by God for the sins of his ancestors, they would have assumed, beyond redemption. But God blew that misconception completely apart by blessing healing and raising him up in the sight of everyone. It was now abundantly clear that salvation through the name of Jesus was freely on offer to all. So the people rushed to see for themselves what had happened and to find out the truth. The apostles, Peter and John, immediately made sure that all the glory for this man's healing went not to them, but to the Lord Jesus. They took the opportunity God had given them to preach the gospel, and so the church continued to grow. In today's reading, we encounter the wildly differing reactions to the good news that is preached following that life-changing miracle. Some of the people came with open minds, eager and ready to listen. As it says in verse 4 of chapter 4, many believed and joined the disciples. From that day forward, their lives were completely transformed. Others saw Jesus as a threat to their position of power and to their traditions and beliefs. In verse 2, it says that the priests were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and that the Sadducees were greatly disturbed because the resurrection was being preached. Once more, the priests found that their position of power and authority was being challenged. What could they do to reassert themselves? The Sadducees thought that Jesus was dead and buried. But here were his followers proclaiming he'd been raised from the dead and challenging their dearly held beliefs. How could they put a stop to this? Arrest the apostles? Put them in jail? Threaten them? Order them to stop? Instead of gladly receiving the good news, the priests and Sadducees sought to stamp it out. But their attempts to silence the apostles and suppress the early church did not succeed 
and we are the living proof. The reaction to the good news that we don't see occurring here is apathy. All manner of people crowded round to find out what was going on. What they heard was a disturbing, uncompromising message that could not be ignored. It demanded a response. Jesus' love for us demands a response. When we come face to face with Jesus, there is nowhere to hide. His outstretched arms of love are longing to embrace us. We cannot ignore him. Either we turn towards him or we turn away from him. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In verse 12 of chapter 4, the apostles echo Jesus' words when they declare that salvation is found in no one else. It is an uncompromising message. Jesus is asking for complete commitment. Therefore, a choice has to be made. There can be no sitting on the fence. Each individual must decide for themselves whether or not to turn to Jesus and allow him to transform them from the inside out. It is a life-changing decision. There will always be people who fight against the word of God being proclaimed. Some don't want to think of anyone as being more important than themselves, so they make no room for God. Others are unwilling to change, even when they know that change might be good for them. Still more are determined to keep as much control over their own lives as possible. So they will not contemplate the thought of humbling themselves, admitting they need help, surrendering to God and allowing him to lead them. But for those who do turn to Christ, there is both good news and new life. In chapter 3, verse 19, the apostles proclaim the good news to all the people, saying... Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. What beautiful, life-giving words. Every single one of us can know the hope, joy and freedom of having our sins wiped out, completely erased. I remember struggling with Tipex when I was younger and trying desperately hard to make it look like there'd never been a mistake in the first place. But it was impossible. There was always a mark of some sort left behind. Not so with God. If we turn to him, then our sins are completely wiped out, leaving no trace whatsoever. We become brand new. It is as if we've just been born. 
we can finally allow any guilt that we've been carrying to fall from our shoulders. We can be healed inside and out. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. God longs to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. When we turn to him, he encompasses us and even makes his home within us. The living water he offers us to drink purifies and revitalizes us. The more we dwell in his presence, the more his life and love will overflow to those around us. And we always need to keep drinking, especially in hot weather, when times are tough and we face many challenges. There's no reason to ration the water or worry that we might run out. God is always with us and he will provide everything we need moment by moment, to do his will. When we turn to Christ, we receive new life and everything changes. Now we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised again. We worship Jesus as Lord and seek to obey him in every area of our lives. And this can certainly be very challenging. As we see from the end of our reading today, the apostles were presented with a stark choice when they were warned to stop speaking or teaching in the name of Jesus. Were they going to listen to God and obey him? Or listen to the ruling council and do what they said? The decision they took would profoundly affect the future growth of the early church. Look at chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The apostles chose to keep following their Lord Jesus wherever he would lead them. They realised it could be a costly decision, but they knew it was worth giving everything to be one with Christ. He would never leave them or let them down. He would give them the words to say and the courage they needed to stand up and speak. And so the church continued to grow. The gospel continued to spread. Generation after generation of Christians continued to share the good news right across the world. Many times they were threatened and told to stay silent. Many times they chose to obey God rather than do what the ruling authorities told them. Let me tell you or remind you about the story of Corrie ten Boom. Her family in Holland helped Jews during the Second World War and many lives were saved. When their secret was discovered, Corrie and her sister Betsy ended up in the Ravensbrück concentration camp 
There they took a risk every time they spoke about Jesus. They secretly carried a Bible and shared God's life-giving words in that place of death. Corrie writes, They were services like no others these times in Barracks 28. A single meeting might include a recital of the Magnificat in Latin by a group of Roman Catholics, a whispered hymn by some Lutherans, and a sotto voce chant by Eastern Orthodox women. With each moment, the crowd around us would swell, packing the nearby platforms, hanging over the edges, until the high structures groaned and swayed. At last, either Betsy or I would open the Bible. Because only the Hollanders could understand the Dutch text, we would translate aloud in German. And then we would hear the life-giving words passed back along the aisles in French, Polish, Russian, Czech, back into Dutch. They were little previews of heaven these evenings beneath the light bulb. Even in the darkest place on earth, God's love cannot be extinguished. Those in the authority at the concentration camp did everything in their power to stop God's people from sharing the good news. But they could not silence those who have no fear of death. Instead, Barriers of language and tradition were broken down as the Christians there united together to worship the God of the resurrection and the life. And more people were added to their number day by day. Corrie writes, So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. That is just one of the countless stories of people throughout the centuries and across the world who witness to God's great love, no matter where they are or what they are going through. Sometimes we may feel limited, for whatever reason, in what we can do for God. But if we are obedient to him, then he will find a way for us to reach out to others and share the good news. I was particularly struck by the faith and courage of one elderly woman who was living behind the Iron Curtain and was beset by multiple sclerosis. Her husband faithfully cared for her as her body was bent and twisted and she was unable to move much at all. Crucially, she was still able to control one of her hands and she spent hour after hour typing with one finger in order to translate the Bible and other Christian books into Russian and Latvian. The secret police never checked on her because she was so disabled, which meant she was able to type undiscovered and pray while she typed. Again, 
God's people were commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And again, nothing would stop them. In verse 13 of chapter 4, we see how the rulers, elders and teachers of the law in Jerusalem were astonished at the courage of Peter and John for speaking out about Jesus when they were just ordinary people, people like you or me. They may have been unschooled in the world's eyes, but they had been with Jesus, the teacher, with a capital T. If we feel scared or ill-equipped to share the good news with others, then spending more and more time with Jesus and allowing God to pour his Holy Spirit upon us until we're truly drenched and dripping will mean that people see Christ in us without us even realising. We have good news to share, and it's good news for every single person. So many people here in Seasalton need to hear it. And since we are the body of Christ in Seasalter, God calls us to reach out to our neighbours in his name. He promises he will always be with us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he will show us the way if we let him. So let's go to all those who are isolated due to disability, addiction or despair. Let's sit with those who are unwell, bereaved or lonely and reach out a hand to touch them with the healing love of God. Let's speak life-giving words over our neighbours as we pray for them and bless them in the name of Jesus. Let's be good news in our community. Words may not always be necessary. Love, however, certainly is.